Good morning, and welcome to On Target, a radio ministry of Village Bible Church in Hot Springs Village. We are located near the Coronado Center at 100 Ponderosa Way. Our Sunday morning service starts at 9.15 a.m. We hope you will enjoy and benefit from the sermon you will hear this morning. Now sit back and relax as you listen to a message by Senior Pastor Dr. Jason Lancaster. Well, this morning we're going to look at a group of people who were getting squeezed. The chaos was all over the place. You see, this was a church of the Hebrews that were being persecuted, were being criticized, and even borderline physical persecution. And what we're seeing from the book of Hebrews is that these believers were considering bailing on Jesus. They were considering quitting. Their response to the chaos and and the crushing of what was going on in their lives was making them consider being done with the whole Jesus thing all together. And what they needed is the same thing that we need. And it is this. A clear picture of the exalted son at the right hand of the father. That's the picture that we need. The exalted son at the right hand of the father who is calm, not chaotic, not freaking out, but reigning supreme as calm. And we are to look to him because he is better than all these other responses that we have. And that's what we're going to see this morning in Hebrews chapter 1. For those of you who missed it last week, we were in Hebrews chapter 1, 1 through 4, and we saw the ultimacy of God's final revelation in his superior son. Another way to say that is Jesus is better. Jesus is better than the prophets. And this morning, we're going to look at verses 5 through 14, and in this section, we're going to have seven quotations from the Old Testament that demonstrate that the son is exalted, he's eternal, and he is superior to the angels. We're going to see that Jesus is better than the angels. And you're going, well, what does angels have to do with anything? Well, some will read through Hebrews and think, oh, maybe the Hebrews are having issues with worshiping angels. I, mean, I don't think so. If they were having issues with worshiping angels, you'd be talking about that through the whole book. I think the reason why angels is brought up here is saying that Jesus is not only superior to the prophets who brought revelation in the Old Testament, but he's also superior to the angels that also had a part in Old Testament revelation, right? They would show up on the scene. They would reveal things to people. We'll see next week they were also involved in the giving of the Old Testament law, Jesus is better not only than the prophets, but Jesus is superior to the angels. Some will take this passage and spend the whole time preaching a sermon and giving you details about angels. Not the point of the passage. The point of the passage is Jesus. And he is superior to angels. 
There's really just one verse in this whole section about angels, and I'm not going to go off and tell you all the details about angels, but let's at least look at this one verse before we talk about Jesus. So can we do that? So jump to verse 14. Let's get it out of our system because I know you want to know about angels. Verse 14. Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation? And the answer is, of course they are. Angels are not reigning at the right hand of the Father, but they are sent out as servants to help you and me who will inherit salvation. They are not superior to Christ. They are servants meant not only to serve him, but those of us who will inherit salvation. It's like the angels are sent out on a mission to serve us as we live our lives in this chaotic world. John Calvin has said this about angels. He said, the angels are the dispensers and administrators of the divine beneficence toward us. They regard our safety, undertake our defense, direct our ways, and exercise a constant solicitude that no evil befall us. Angels are meant to serve us. And two quick points here. When you die, you will not become an angel. Why in the world would you ever want to become an angel? You're not going to be an angel. You'll be better than angels, all right? But the point of this passage is that Jesus is better than angels. And this passage is about Jesus. So let's talk about Jesus. Go back to verse 5. And we got some heavy lifting today. We're going to look at these seven Old Testament passages where we get to listen in to the Father speaking to his Son. We get to listen in to God the Father speak to God the Son. Let's start verse 5. For to which of the angels did he ever say, you are my son, today I have begotten you. And again, I will be a father to him and he shall be a son to me. These are two quotes from the Old Testament framed with a rhetorical question. We will answer the question in a moment, but let's consider the two quotes. The first quote is found in Psalm 2-7 where it said of the royal son, you are my son, today I become your father. And we touched on this kingly psalm last week in the statement from Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2, where it says that the son is the heir of all things. And Jesus, as the heir of all things, is exalted at the right hand of the father, and he is not only going to inherit all the nations, but he is the inheritor of all things. So the point of the first quote in chapter 1, verse 5, is that the Father never said to any of the angels, you are my son, meaning that he's only said this to his unique son, Jesus. Now, once again, comment on angels. We must be careful not to exalt angels over the superiority of the son, meaning go home and throw all your angel stuff away. Let me tell you why. Because most of the angel stuff that we have in our homes is cute. 
And when angels show up in the Bible, they are scary. So you can keep all your scary angels, throw away all the cute angels. Deal? All right. Also the point is that Jesus is superior to angels. He's the point. Doesn't mean go out there and buy all this Jesus stuff, but Jesus is superior to the angels. He is the point. Let's continue on. He says, I will be a father. You see it in verse five. I will be a father to him and he will be a son to me. This comes from 2 Samuel 7, 14. This brings us to verse six. Another quotation. Verse six. And when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, and let all the angels of God worship him. This is another tough one. It says, when the father brings his firstborn into the world. Now, this firstborn is a reference to his son. This does not mean that the son was created. So when you have someone stop you on the street from Barna or Gallup, and they're taking a poll to see what evangelicals know, and they ask you the question, was the son created? If you say yes, I'm going to come and get you. Okay? The son has existed forever. Ever, ever. Okay? So the reference here to firstborn is talking about the preexistent son, and he was never created. And the reference to him as a firstborn has to do with his function, his authority, his position, and his rank. And when it says here, firstborn son, he has this honored place of authority. And the question is, well, where's that place of authority at? Well, it says here, firstborn son into the world. You think, oh, he must be talking about the incarnation, that Jesus is the firstborn son into the world. And the incarnation, no, 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 no. It's not talking about this world. It's talking about the spirit world. Because when the firstborn, the Jesus, Jesus is exalted to the right hand of the Father, what does it say the angels are doing? It says, let all the angels of God worship him. And that's what we saw last week in, in verse 3, that after he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So put it together. So the son, when he did come into the world, the Bible tells us at other places, he was made lower than the angels as a man, the great God-man. But now through his life, death, resurrection, ascension, he's now at the right hand of the father, and he's being worshipped by angels, Do you see what's going on here? The exalted firstborn son commands worship from the angels. And it says right here, let all the angels of God worship him. Those who are inferior, angels, worship the exalted and superior son. Take note. Only God is to be worshiped. Take note. The son is God. I've noticed a lot recently that secular people love to make fun of Christians. They will even mock our worship. But get this. Those who are secular, those who are agnostic, and those who are atheists worship just as much as Christians. Every single human being 
is a hardcore, sold-out worshiper. They worship just as much as we worship. The issue is we have a different object of worship. And our object is the Lord Jesus Christ, who is superior to all secular ideologies, who is superior to any idol you would find in this world. So every human is a worshiper. The issue is the object, and we choose Jesus because he is better. Let's keep going. This is fun. Verse 7. And regarding the angels, he says, who makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. Now this this verse begins the second contrast the author is going to make between angels and the sun. This is a quotation from Psalm 104.4. And this verse is pointing out that the angels are God's created servants. The, The reference to the winds and the flames is just showing that they are subject to change like wind and fire in in order to serve the Lord. So once again, angels are created, they serve the Lord, and they're subject to change. But something drastically different is said about the sun, verses 8 and 9, verse 8 and 9. But of the sun, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever, and the righteous scepter is the scepter of his kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your companions. In contrasting the sun to the angels, we come to this extended quotation about how the sun, this is from Psalm 45, 6, and 7, the the sun is exalted in this wedding song. You see, in Hebrews we see that the father is speaking to the son who was not created, but in a very clear statement is called God. You see it there in verse eight, your throne, O God. The son is God and has a throne that will last forever and ever. Where is this throne at? Well, we saw it last week. It's at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So I know this is complicated, but let's put it together. So Jesus is the eternal son reigning in righteous power right now at the right hand of the Father, that God has exalted him above his companions, exalted him above above angels and everything else, and has anointed him with the oil of joy. And so the angels and all of us have been created to worship him and praise him, for he is the eternal reigning king. All right. If the Hebrews are being told this, Jesus is at the right hand of the Father as the eternal reigning king, then why are you considering bailing on him? You see, this idea that when they were being crunched, their go-to dysfunction was to run. I learned that word this week, go-to dysfunction. I kind of like that. Like when you're being crushed, chaos, what is your go-to dysfunction? Is it to yell, to get angry, to cuss, to run away, to shut down? What is it? What is it? Okay. So when you're being crunched, what is your go-to dysfunction? And you you may think, well, I need to learn to control myself better. You may think, oh, I need to hold back my reactions. And I want to tell you this. That's not the issue. That's not the issue. 
The goal is not to better control your motions. The goal is to demolish your kingdom. Because all of us have this little kingdom that we've set up where guess who's king? You are in your life and you want things to go a certain way. And when things don't go a certain way, you blow up. Maybe you used to be a younger parent and you had younger kids and you had a plan, the way things, this never happens to me, but you know you think of a plan, the way things are supposed to work out and the kids come and disrupt your plan. And you go, well, I, just, I need to control my emotions better. I got to quit getting mad at the quit kids. I got I to gotta just quit yelling at them. No, you need to demolish your kingdom. You take that and expand it to all of our lives. We serve a king in another kingdom. And when things don't go our way and when we get crushed, we look to him and say, Jesus, you're the king and I'm here to serve you in your kingdom. That way, that way we're, we're just not all about emotional management. We may say, well, Christians need to be better at managing their emotions. No, we need to demolish the kingdom and look to the king. Let's keep going. Isn't that fun? Let's keep going. So look at verse nine again. It says, you have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. That's a characteristic is that righteousness is a rule of his kingdom. He loves righteousness and, and hates lawlessness. And I, my guess would be that some of the chaos you're facing right now has to do with living in a world that loves wickedness and hates righteousness. And we just got to kind of just put it out there. Hebrews, we understand you live in a world that does not love righteousness, but they love wickedness. We get that. And how are the Hebrews supposed to live? They're supposed to live by faith. Just like you live by faith in a world that loves wickedness and hates righteousness. So what does it mean to live by faith? My daughter texted me this week. She goes to Trinity uh, up in Chicago. And she texted me a quote on faith from her professor, uh, Van Hooser. The, the, the class must have been going at the time. And the, the quote is this. Faith is the radical insecurity in our ability to make life safe. I'm going to say that again. Faith is the radical insecurity in our ability to make life safe. And I would go as far to say as faith is the radical insecurity in our ability to make life work. By that, I need to get to a point where I'm trusting Christ so much that I see that I don't have any skills to pull off my life. I'm insecure about making my life work. You can tell your faith is growing. If you find yourself getting weaker and weaker and more dependent upon him, your faith is growing because I'm insecure about making my life safe because I can't. And if you think you can, you can't. If your faith grows is you realize more and more of your inability and you see more and more of his ability. Continue on. Verse 10. We're almost done. We're almost done. You're doing good. And you, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth and the heavens are the works of your hands. They will perish, but you remain and they all will become old like a garment. And like a mantle, you will roll them up like a garment. They will also be changed, but you are the same and your years will not come to an end. 
Well, this long quote comes from Psalm 102, verses 25 and 27. And in the original context, it's speaking about the immutable character of God. You like that word, immutable? Well, that means that God does not change. And in Hebrews, the quote is used to address the Son as immutable and the unchangeable one. And we saw last week that the Son... Jesus was the one through whom the universe was made. And these verses are expounding on him, laying the foundations of the earth and creating the heavens as the work of his hands. But even these things that the son has created will pass away because one day he's just going to roll them up when they wear out like a garment. The son will roll them up like a robe and they will be changed. But you know who won't be changed is the son because the son will remain. There is no changing in the son or passing way of the son. He is eternal and his years will never end. He is immutable. But if you're like me, you feel your mutableness. Probably not a word. But you feel it. Things are shifting and changing. Things are not going the way I want them to go in the chaos. And, and you know when I feel it? I feel it the most when I hear that you are in the hospital. I hear it the most and feel it the most in my heart when we do memorial services in here. Because when I see that people are in the hospital and I'm praying for them, there's something inside of me that goes, you're going to be there one day. And when I do memorial services and I'm worshiping the Lord, still part of me that feels this mutableness that you're, that's going to be you one day. So when we feel this chaos and that things are changing in us and we go, where are we to look? We're to look at the one who does not change. And he is at the right hand of the Father, reigning supreme. And he's calm. He's calm. Because he knows something that we may not know. And I think it's in right there in verse 13. But to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Obviously, God's never said that to the angels, but he did to the son. And this is a quote that comes from Psalm 110 where the father addresses the son as he's installed at his right hand with authority over his enemies. The right hand is a position of honor, power, and authority. And here the son, once again, is at the right hand of the father. And soon and very soon, the enemies will be made his footstool. So picture the, the Hebrews, right? They're being persecuted by the enemies of God. They hear that Jesus is on the throne, but his enemies are not yet the footstool. And the word to them is that it is coming. The day is coming where the enemies of God will be made his footstool, where he will be reigning. No more attacking of us by the enemies of God. And you go, well, I don't know if I understand that. Like, what am I supposed to do right now? I mean, Enemies of God are coming at me now. I feel Satan attacking me now. What am I supposed to do now? Well, let me put it to you in a way you may understand it. That has something to do with golf. All things golf. You're like, oh, now I'm tracking with you. Golf. So for you golfers out there, or those who like to watch golf, um, in the 2019 Open Championship, there was this golfer, Kyle Stanley, who was criticized for not yelling for. Two times he did this. 
and the ball hit people two times. They weren't injured. And they're like, you're like, man, why didn't you yell four? He said, well, everybody else is yelling it. I figured I didn't need to yell it. But this is why it's important to yell it. Sophomore year, my son, playing on the golf team, is out playing golf. He's under a tree, being all safe as he can be, just standing there. Golf ball nailed him right in the head. No one said nothing. Went to the hospital, concussion, messed him up for weeks, months, and we would even say for years. We are those who say, for. You're going to be attacked. The enemy is coming after you if he's not attacking you right now. And you're like, well, what should I do? Should I duck and run? No, 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 no. What you do under the chaos of your life is you look to the son at the right hand of the father and in the midst of the attacks, he's calm because he knows what's coming. And you're to look by faith, not in your ability, but in him who's calm and who has complete control of your life, and he's working a plan. He's working a plan. He's working a plan because he already knows the enemy is already defeated. He's already been beat. He's toast. He's gone. And there's coming a day for the footstool where he's going to rest there. And so you think, okay, let's kind of put this all together. Chaos is coming. We have a variety of dysfunctions that we display. And one of the reasons I think we don't act right when things go wrong is because as American Christians, we particularly think that things are always going to get better and they're going to go up and to the right. I think we all believe that somewhere along the way. We think things are always going to get better in life and we're going to progress and progress and progress. It's almost like a job. I get this job and then I climb this ladder and this ladder and this ladder. And we think that in our life that we're always supposed to be going up and to the right. And when things don't go up and to the right, we, we freak out, we act out. But the reality is that things don't always go up and to the right. They don't. And when that happens, we're supposed to look to a certain right. That would be the right hand of the Father, where the Son is reigning. The Son is reigning right now at the right hand of the Father, and you are to look to him in your chaos and find that he is he's calm. He's in control. You don't need to go to your go-to dysfunction. No, 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 no. You can find your calm and your peace in his reign in his kingdom. And maybe there's some of you here, you don't know what I'm talking about. You're talking about calm and peace. Have you not seen our world? Well, maybe, maybe you don't know that king. Maybe you're still the king of your kingdom. And you say, well, Jesus, he's at the right hand of the father. He doesn't know. He doesn't know what's going on down here. He doesn't know real life. Oh, let me tell you something. That king came down. That king came down and entered our chaos. He took on the chaos of my sin and your sin, and he took it to the cross. And the father punished him instead of sinners so that sinners who look to him can be forgiven. And no matter where you're at, you can demolish your kingdom today and put your faith in the king. 
And it's not, <laughs> it's not a faith of your competence. It's a faith of your incompetence. It's you can't handle it. You can't save yourself. But there's one at the right hand of the Father who can save you. And he is the reigning king. And he is the one we should look to today. Because he never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We hope you enjoyed this message. It was preached recently at Village Bible Church. You can hear this message or let others know about it by visiting our website at vbchsv.org or call us at 922-0404. Meanwhile, have a blessed day as you walk along the way guided by God's Word.